All right, uh, so we've got about, let's say, an hour max. Uh, yeah, because it's that time of day and it's only single people here because anyone with a Valentine's date has got better things to do. But um, <laughs> we're here to talk about that 10% excise duty on internet. Um, yeah. Yeah, this was one out of the blue, to be honest. I was not expecting to see that. Uh, so when we saw the email this morning from Zoll notifying customers that they'll pay 10% excise duty uh, on internet and void packages. Um, I guess it, since Leonard is the more financially inclined one, or the one who speaks the financial mumbo jumbo, can you just explain what what excise duty is? Okay, so so the funny thing with excise duty, uh, when it was first introduced, like I don't I don't remember if it's the UK or the states, but uh, it's usually to to deal with some social problems that are created by a certain product or service. So. So we saw that it, uh, excess duty was, was, was levied on tobacco so that they could have campaigns, you know, health campaigns and, and all that on motor vehicles because of the pollution, uh, oil, uh, petrol, diesel, that kind of thing. So, so that's what excess duty was for mainly. So we, we, we actually broke the mold in 2014 when we first introduced excess duty on on airtime when uh, Chinamasa was still Minister of Finance. So that's when we, it was strictly just to raise money because then uh, all he said was, you know what, we're trying to raise additional funds to finance non-discretionary non expenditures. So then it was just, you know what, this is a, a revenue generating tax. We are not trying to pretend, we're not trying to, we were not even going to try to, to lie to you that there's some greater goal beyond this. Uh, of course, uh, thinkers were like, you know what? Uh, these ATM vouchers are responsible for a lot of pollution. So maybe uh, that excess duty from ATM sales would go to cleaning up the streets uh, or something like that. Then we were like, okay, uh, we could see it. Then that brings us to today now. Uh, the excess duty on 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 these IAPs on internet and VoIP packages. So a ten percent excess duty. So uh, Zol. So this tax is charged to Zol, not their their customers, but uh, which is unlike VAT or these other taxes that Zol would only collect on behalf of the government. But in this case, Zol is the one being taxed. For providing VoIP and internet, so but the question um, then becomes: the question then becomes, we've heard, or we've we've been writing about internet companies over, you know, since Texim has been around. Uh, Texim is a child of the internet in Zimbabwe, and um, these companies. I'm, I'm not villainizing Zol, Taiwan, you know, Utandi, Dandimtandi, or anything, but in this opera, in this operating environment, they're more likely just going to push on that that cost to us, right? Yes, that, unfortunately, that they cannot bear that that cost, which is the problem. So, in a sense, this this cost will just be passed on to us, the customers. So, so it's unfortunate that the government has done this. So, so that this is where we are. So, essentially, if you look at uh, even just like Zoe's page, uh, you can see that all the prices went up by ten percent because they cannot afford to absorb that cost. 
if they were in a better position, like uh, we see with all these telcos and, and all these companies, they, they're complaining that operating costs are high as it is. Uh, all of them, net one, telecell, internet. So these are the IAPs as well. Operating costs are too high right now because of all these forex challenges and all these other challenges in Zimbabwe. So they cannot bear this cost. So it, it just get pushed on to us, uh, the final consumers. Yeah. And fortunately, we have learned people among us. Engineer Chabuka, telecoms engineer. Uh, I know he doesn't like me saying that in public, but it's the truth. Every guys. single you're engineer. time. <laughs> you're, you're, dude, you're the engineer, bro. So from a, from oh, a telecoms man. perspective, since you like you you've uh, you worked at at Taiwan or you worked through the Taiwan now uh, what's it called uh, uh, learning center, um, what yeah. is it like on the inside for for internet access providers and and um, ISPs as far as you know when it comes to price shifts price changes? I mean it's a it's a bunch of stuff that's involved on the technical side of telecoms infrastructure. So there is the stuff we we usually interact with. So that's your your base stations and the like. Um, that stuff needs money to run as well as maintain it. But also on top of that hardware, there is also software that's run by these companies. Huawei equipment, Huawei provides the software but it's a license. So you have to then pay for this license to use that software. And then in the likes of um, licenses from Portras that they, um, that will allow them to operate within whatever field that their license allows. So it's all those costs that are fixed that are then uh, crippling them because for example, uh, the Potras licenses, um, you pay them in USD. Uh, I think they may be an RTGS arrangement, but uh, the prices that we'll say are in USD. And these softwares as well that run the systems for these ISPs and IAPs, again, they are paid for in Forex. Um, if you want to pay for the actual license to use these softwares. And then the equipment itself, it will need to be renewed. They will need to expand again. This is equipment that they will need to pay for in USD. There is a forex, uh, a forex auction that will allow them to be able to get some USD so that they can pay for these things. But there's just not enough of it so that they can do it effectively. But also, um, Potras sets the uh, caps for in terms of data prices, voice prices, uh, like so. Because of the fact that people have to buy data, voice and other services using RTGS, it then means that they're not achieving the sort of profits that would allow them to be able to comfortably absorb some of these things that some of these regulatory um, taxes that may be thrown onto them. So in the end, they'll eventually choose life and pass it on to the consumer and just cross the things that they don't lose to make us to that. It's one of those where they just need, they're just operating at, at sort of like a floating point where if anything else comes in, takes away from that, they'll sink. So yeah, it's, it's uh, unfortunately the economic situation in Zim just uh, compounds the 
the problems that these MNOs and IEPs uh, so in the proper context, we should also mention that, and it's on Zimmer's website, so I don't know if it's changed, uh, that IAP, IAPs, Internet Access Providers, ISPs, Internet Service Providers, and mobile network operators can import space stations and other equipment duty-free. Uh, I think all they have to pay is VAT, according to what it says. I'm looking at the Zimmer page now. Uh, so it's not like the, the, you know, the duty-free thing makes anything easier because it's, it's acquiring the, the, the forex to be able to buy the things in the first place. Getting it here is, is a completely different, uh, it's a completely different story. Uh, so this afternoon, uh, luckily, Ed, and Ed, Leonard, and I had a sort of a pre-conversation about it. And the one thing that stuck out to, both, to all of us was the fact that it's, we're compounded by tax. So you get the 2% tax, which you pay at every transaction. Uh, there's VAT, which is involved. Now, let's, for, in, the, in, in the case of the internet, there's this 10% uh, tax. Um, and Leonard, it's, we, it's strange that we have these three taxes, let's say. Uh, and then we have stuff like, you know, the, the varying exchange rates that are going around. Um, and this is really bad because internet is one of those things that was, is supposed to be subsidized. So if, 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 um, I remember you mentioning something about, uh, Dr. Mangujiga when he spoke about, you know, joining the digital, what, what was, what, what, what was he saying? Oh, so, so, so Dr. Mangujiga was, uh, defending the withdrawal limits, uh, 50,000. I, I can't remember at the top of my head what the withdrawal limits are now. And he was saying, you know what, they are reasonable because uh, when we look at the average salaries in the market, it's around 50 to 60,000. That's the average salary for in the formal sector in Zimbabwe. So it was like, okay, so, so we're looking at 50 to 60,000 on average. And now, uh, on the other side, the government is saying, okay, we're trying to promote uh, the use of, 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 of the internet in Zimbabwe. We're trying to promote all these things, but they reintroduced the 25% tax on the import of uh, smartphones. Uh, and if you skip that, you will have to pay a $50 levy. Uh, then there's this 10%, which adds on to the data cost. There's the 2%, which adds on when you're trying to pay for the services themselves. There's VAT on top of that. And there are all these taxes that are just a hindrance to the end user who's trying to to get on the internet. And you can see, like with Econet saying, like 22% of their customers are using Cambodzi's uh, these feature phones. And you're like, okay, so how do we get... So, so right now we're in the 56% uh, smartphone penetration rate uh, level. I think that's where we are. And you know how it is, it's just concentrated in the urban areas. And that that figure as well is is misleading because we have a lot of people in the urban areas with you know two three lines you you know how it is so when when we're talking about the actual individuals the unique individuals with smartphones that's still a low figure in Zimbabwe and so when we introduce uh, taxes such as these because essentially right now we're we're talking about ten percent increase that's just been introduced when it was too expensive to begin with we, we're left wondering. Uh, are we paying lip service to to all that when we say, you know what, we're trying to promote the use of these things? We, we see that the future is in digital, so we can say we, we can safely say we, we're paying lip service to that because our taxes and our policies do not support what we say we're trying to do. Yeah, that's really concerning because now um, the um, mobile data was already far far afield for the ordinary Zimbabwean. 
I mean, you know, if you work for a job that you work remotely or they pay for your internet, you're really lucky. But for everyone else, it's, it was really far afield. And the dream was to get home internet, which now is just even further away with this. Because now, you know, the assumption is that these guys are going to push. Like I think you said, you saw on Zold website that they increased the prices by 10%, just pushing that cost onto the consumer, um, which doesn't really help the consumer. Because now it's like, if you if you had a package that was a 40 gig package, you might have to, to downgrade to a lower package because you can no longer afford that. And that restricts access to what you can do on the internet. Uh, moreover, for anyone who, who's running an internet-based business, your budget is now just gotten skewed. And and we talk to startups and we know how how marginal these things are. Um, it, you know, profits are not, how can I say, they're not, they're not guaranteed. Most of it is just grinding it out. And the last thing that you need is the one thing you need to operate has gone up, you know, industry-wide. Because it's not the, it's not just all. Um, it's, it's, you know, tell one if they aren't already doing it and return it and then the Africom, uh, PowerTel will also be doing this because if it's industry wide, it's not just so. Uh, and to be honest, I never saw it was communicated. Uh, I might be missing something when we open for questions in a bit or open for comments and contributions in a bit. Or maybe, uh, some guys in there might have seen what was communicated, but I looked and I could not, um, and I could not find, you know, um, where it was, where it was said that this was going to happen. Uh, I was told to look into the, I think we talked about it earlier, the XI Customs and Excise Act to try and find where was it written exactly. But if, from my reading of it, and I could be wrong, the last amendment was made in 2014. So again, just with a grain of salt, it's like, yeah, it's been almost six, seven years. Uh, if it was written then, <laughs> why is it only taking now to, to come into effect? And why at this, at this time? Um, when we're supposed to be adopting digital technologies and adopting the internet and and in our case, digital payments, um, because a bunch of startups, particularly in businesses, rely on the internet. And it's not so bad for the big guys because, you know, they can pretty much just afford it. But, you know, everyone else is kind of going to be bobbing and weaving through this and making do with what they have. Um, so just to bring back Engineer Chabuka, because I just like saying that. Um, so when it, when it comes to, to, to telecoms themselves, um, when it comes to these, you know, taxes did you observe anything internally while you're working uh there that you can speak of um so really the taxes side of things is something that's then handled by the finance guys so for us it was mainly just looking at at uh, uh the data traffic and the integrity of the network itself um but it is something that will then uh, really affect operations in the sense that, um, you know, you're placing orders for stuff that you want to use to either, um, improve the network or also, uh, expand the network. So these unexpected costs kind of, uh, a bit of some speed when it comes to progress in the area. So it's the finance guys now have to reorganize their funds in such a manner. Um, first, before we can then do all our other extracurricular activities. So it's one of those things where it's going to hurt the, it's going to hurt operators even more. The first one is, um, we can't expand the network because there are no funds that are being put into 
expanding the network or improving the quality of service, but also Yeah, we have to bear with us, ladies and gentlemen. Here's it's internet test this from time to time. Uh, yeah, again, in a new development in Zimbabwe, in Arare, that uh, that doesn't have sufficient uh, fiber, even based or even uh, mobile network kind of coverage. Uh, again, I guess this is the point that we're here for. Uh, so we can open it up to everyone because this is about you guys to then you know tell us how this affects you. Because if we speak in isolation, it doesn't really solve anything. Uh, really interested to hear what you think. Uh, I think Terence had asked to speak, and I approved. Uh, if you're still in, you can go ahead. Looks like he did. Uh, anyone else wants to speak? Well, I'm just gonna have to pick on someone. For one request. No, Terry's back. He he's requested again. Okay. Uh, approved. There we go. Is Zoe implementing this 10% tax now and not four or five years ago? I just wanted to say that Zoe wasn't really regulated by, uh, by, by Portras. And from my understanding, it's something that is now happening. So that is why now they are being forced to adhere to these taxes that have been already uh, been charged to other telecoms operators. Just for interesting um Econet um Net One, Telesel, as well as Tel One have been charging these taxes as far back as twenty fifteen, sixteen, twenty sixteen I think. And uh they were increased um uh, in about twenty twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen thereabout. Uh it used to be around five percent and then the government increased it to ten percent. So it's it's really hurting um us as the consumers because Every text that is being levied on on telecommunications is making data a much more much more of a luxury product than it being a human right, as we are seeing in other countries all over the world. So yeah, I think that's that's why um, uh, internet is is very expensive in Zim. Mainly, of course, the costs are there, but then you see the amount of taxes that are being levied on the industry are making it. Um, a very unviable product to consumers. So that is just my contribution today. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. It's interesting that you know Zola had not to this uh, because when I went on on Zimmer's website, there were the, the the tobacco, you know, wine, beer, and whatnot that were listed, and I was curious when I went through the bill itself, the, the same stuff was was uh, was noted. So that's really interesting that it, it it's been around, and it'll be interesting to see what that does then to the to guys like like Taiwan, um, we, we get a shift like that, but also kind of raises another concern: is like, how how is that now going to work with the with the price increase timeline that I assume Portras and 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 the ISPs work with? Because now you've just got a major jump in one, and you know they want to increase prices again for their own purposes. Because if, if they if they if they're shelling it onto us, it's essentially them just losing. Uh, they're not getting that money. So they'll have to increase, you know, as, as, as the operating environment hopefully doesn't worsen, but the way things are going, you can't really say, you can't really say for sure. There's a lot of you here, but nobody wants to speak. Uh, we're open for comments and contributions and questions, guys. While we wait for entrance, um, Leonard, we also kind of spoke this afternoon, uh, about the exchange rate and, and using the use of cash. So most people say, one second, someone has requested. <laughs> 
Okay. I think it's G- Gerald Cuvier. Gerald, yeah. Hi, Gerald. Seems like they drop him off every time they get the acceptance. What's going on with Twitter Space today? Hi, Gerald. How are you? I'm good, and you? Um, I'm right, thanks. Okay. Am I on, on the platform? Yes, you are. Oh, okay. I wanted to ask on local, on the pricing. This, they, they, they get from Hawaii and other, comparing to the region around like SSA, Botswana and other regions. How does that affect in terms of in terms of e pricing? When you look at the price of data that you have in in, in the compared to the region, what what really makes it what makes it highly exciting compared to other besides the technical issue that is being raised? That's that's what I want to hear. I'm done. Okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, thanks, Gerald. Uh what I can hazard a what I can hazard a guess at when it comes to um, pricing is operating environments are vastly different. So Zimbabwe is particularly is particularly difficult for mobile network operators um, when it comes to, or even IAP, IAPs and ISPs when it comes to operating. As you know, the economy has not been doing really well for a very long time. I, I guess that goes without saying. Um, but hello, I'm listening. Okay, I was saying, uh, my guess would be, or what I've at least observed is that the operating environments probably plays a big part in that. Um, you know, it's, it's probably easy to operate outside South Africa where the exchange rate stays the same, where you've got local, where you've got uh, multinational companies who provide the tech locally because they do set up, um, you know, distributing or distributing, uh, warehouses, uh, offshoots or hubs in, in South Africa and other countries. Uh, I think at a lesser degree, the further up, uh, further up north you go. So all those things kind of make it easier to operate in those kind of environments, as opposed to Zimbabwe, where most of the stuff has to be imported at at a really steep price. I don't know, Leonard, do you, you want to add to that? Oh, yeah. So so there's that, and we can add on that Zimbabwe is landlocked as well. That That's an issue as well. So uh, the costs in Zimbabwe will never be the same as they are for the telcos in, in, in say, South Africa. So there's that there. Of course, all those other operational uh, challenges in Zimbabwe, you know, the forex shortages, uh, the the runaway exchange rate, and all those things, they, they add on to the operational costs of Zimbabwean telcos. So I, I, it, it, it's not really fair to expect uh, Zim telcos to be able to offer the same prices in South Africa. But, of course, uh, we're looking at the average income of the Zimbabwean, and we're saying, okay, as a percentage of the average salary, even the one that was uh, quoted by uh, the RBZ governor, you were like, okay, in Zimbabwe, it's too expensive because we are not making as much. So maybe that's why we feel the sting uh, a little too much. But not to say that it's not expensive in Zimbabwe for all those other reasons you mentioned, Valentine. Gerald, do you feel answered or <laughs> you need more expanding on that one? No, I'm, I'm answered. Thank you. No, thank you very much. Uh, and Tinashe has decided to grace us with his presence. Tinashe, what do you say? Yeah, dude, thank you. Uh, I don't know what gracing, <laughs> what gracing you means. Eh? Uh, 
and Rui doesn't know that like I've a, I've a cold, so <laughs> my voice should be sounding super drop right now. <laughs> yeah, it sounds right. I'm guessing you saw the the, the report we posted earlier uh, about the ten percent. I, I want your thoughts on it um, as a consumer and you know as a person who's been observing telcos for a really long time. Yeah, so so yeah, I I saw it uh, and uh, I have to apologize. I didn't read. <laughs> I just saw that. Dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just saw that. Um, so I didn't know uh, there was such an excise tax. Um, uh, so I was, I was surprised for it. By it, I don't know if there are any tax uh, experts here. Uh, maybe they can explain to me because my thoughts, what I grew up thinking around excise duties, is that generally the rationale behind them is they are exercised in order to discourage a certain behavior. So you will find an excess duty on uh, alcohol sales, uh, for example, uh, particularly spirits. I think, yeah, they, there's an excess duty on that. Um, and then tobacco products and, and things like that, because the rationale there is, yeah, you know what? Um, these substances are not very healthy, so we will apply a text to try to discourage the consumption of these things. Um, that's how I understand uh, excess duties. So uh, if I'm correct in in understanding excess duties that way, then it doesn't make sense to have an excess duty on, 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 on broadband services because we're at a time when, uh, you know, connecting to the internet should be uh, encouraged if anything, the government should actually be um, subsidizing for those who cannot afford the internet, uh, um, which is which is a whole lot of people. Like what Leonard was saying, uh, I I have problems. So so I was I was actually on the spaces on Friday uh, that was hosted by Misa Zimbabwe, and um, uh, the conversation there was around a hashtag called Data Must Fall. And I was arguing, you know, and, and I guess some people haven't got that or two more in my telcos, you know. Um, but I was arguing against uh, uh, the word expensive. I'm not comfortable with that because expense, expensive means someone is overcharging you. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the correct way to look at it. The internet is unaffordable to Zimbabweans. I think that's more accurate. It's unaffordable because of the economic circumstances that we find ourselves in. But in terms of the telcos, I think they're actually getting less. So I was um, using uh, data that we compiled around March last year, where uh, the average revenue per user for mobile network operators, Zimbabwe against Zambia, uh, at that time, using the official rates, which we know when these people actually then get to experience all their costs uh, even if we assume they get all the money that they need from the auction, which they don't, but let's assume they do, they are still charged by some suppliers locally who have to use um, the parallel exchange rate because they don't have access to the auction. So the minimum we should expect uh, in terms of a rate that the telcos should use is a blended rate. Um, so, but yeah, we, we did that using the official rates. And the average revenue per user for Zimbabwean MNOs was $4.50. Um, 
$4.65, I think. And then for Zambian mobile network operators, it was $6.65. So if I in terms of, 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 of just the top line revenue, the Zambian telcos are getting a whole $2 for every user above the Zim ones. And that's crazy. That's what percentage is that over the Zim? Like yeah. it's almost 50% on top, uh, in yeah. terms of revenue. And then when we look at the expenses, the Zambian telcos are not experiencing, you know, crazy load shedding. I'm, I'm in the dark right now, you know? Um, yeah. so in Zimbabwe is such a country where everyone has to solve their own power generation needs. Um, and so these guys are having to run their network on diesel, which is very expensive. Um, and some, uh, you know, towers are being, ex- you know, changed to, to solar and, and things like that. Um, but it's not happening quick enough. And still, it's, it's a huge investment to, to, to convert into, into solar. And because of that solar issue, they are now experiencing a lot of vandalism. So you have all these things, and then you have telcos being charged um, some ridiculous taxes. So this exercise duty is not to them; it's to us. So we experience the expense, right? But then there are some expense. There are taxes. For example, local telcos are charged a health tax. What in the world is that? Why? Why health <laughs> to telcos? It just doesn't make sense. Um, and I think there was another before the health tax. There was some other text that is on every scratch card sold. Um, there was some funny text. I, I, I don't remember what it was called, um, what it's called because I think it's still being paid. Um, so you have all these because the government thinks that uh, these are the guys when they marry. So let's milk them. Uh, but at the same time, then discouraging use of the internet, uh, which I think if it's encouraged, it would raise the GDP of this country. So I see Kudam Sasua here um, um, and and he's he's an internet entrepreneur, right? Um, you would want to encourage such businesses, and the way to encourage such businesses is for people to have access. You know that uh, not to just lay on expense after expense. It's 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 ridiculous. I know I spoke like an evangelist, and for too long, as but, usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but you made some excellent points, man. Like. If, if, if we're looking at the at, at telcos in general and especially mobile network operators, I think Ethernet has got that universal services fee. I remember we were talking about it, was it last year, about the price difference between Zimbabwe and, um, and other countries when it came to that, to that fee. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a massive investment to come in and it doesn't attract foreign telcos to come and give these local guys competition because they're like, if we're going to have to pay that much for a license, we might as well just go around you and just go to countries that are more conducive. Uh, Ah, uh, yeah, so it's, it's crazy. It's 140 million, isn't it? Yeah, 140 million. Where in other countries, it's 5 million. I think Zambia was 5 million or something. Don't quote me. Uh, this is the figure that I remember. But it's far less mm-hmm. than what, what, what mm-hmm. they're expected to pay here. So why you, this is why MTN, Vodacom, and all the other MNOs. Uh, I remember we had conversations last year, uh, 2020 about Reliance Geo and how their model of, of bringing just purely 4G into the market was, was brilliant and how that could work in Zim. But then again, how how does Reliance go to Fortress and be like, yeah, no, we want to come in. And they're like, yeah, license fee. And they're like, hey, yo, <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, the, the, right, so, the crazy. Sorry, Leo? So, no, I was just looking at some quote from uh, the Fortress uh, Director General. 
which is uh, from a few years back when when telcos were complaining as well that uh, the word airtime is too broad and they were complaining that uh, you, you know the, everyone in the chain is being taxed so so that that's what they were, they were complaining about and the, the compounding of the tax leading to the higher cost for for the higher price to to the final consumer and so so we go back to that lip service thing because he was he was talking about this saying okay this we need to look at these sector specific taxes and we need to re reconsider them uh, because they are imposing a penalty on consumers for using ICTs so that's what he was saying then but now we see we we're still on that same road uh, when it comes to revenue generating uh, initiatives we, we 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 forget all about this we forget all the the negatives that come from this short-term thinking of we need to raise money right now so we're going to introduce excise duty on a provision of 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 internet and you're like you know what what are you trying to discourage like you're saying excise duty was meant to discourage or to deal with those social impact social uh, impacts caused by the product itself whether it be pollution or health hazards or whatever it is so you're like okay so what are you talking about here you're paying lip service to all this. Mm. Yeah, so let's hand it over to a child of the internet, internet entrepreneur, Kudam Sosiwa, and then we'll go to Josh and Abigail in that order. Kudam Sosiwa. Uh, say, Seba Kumre, thank you so much for this space. I think it's very important. Um, if if I break up or cut up, please blame Zol, because they are my <laughs> um, Blame the excise duty. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, so... Um, I think it's important to realize how companies like Spa, Pick and Pay have become such big brands. Um, these big white monopoly companies have been made really huge because the public have got easy access to these particular establishments. So, for example, if you drive down a ride drive, Boulder Road, you can get to a Pick and Pay and a Spa because they use a thing called a road. And these roads, these ubiquitous utilities, are something that the government smarter men than us over many millennia have been building for the use of commerce so that we can all get around and get to these establishments and we can actually transact and make money. You now have people like ourselves, fresh in a box, you know, uh, and, and we are trying to be an online gringo, so we're trying to be an online shopping center, right? And the easiest way to get us up and running and paying more tax, and we're very happy to pay a lot of tax, um, as long as we can get the people to us. And what we need to get people to us are these roads these ubiquitous utilities that people can then get to us so they can shop with ease and with speed. In Zimbabwe, we have a situation right now where our customers, every single month, two months, have to deal with hikes in uh, ISPs putting up the cost of um, the internet on the phones, on data. Uh, Zoll is about to put up 10% uh, again on, 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 on data on, 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 on people's homes, right? So we're in a weird situation where if Spa and Pick and Pay and all these big brands that exist all over the world had to charge people 10 cents even to drive into a Spa parking lot using the road, let's say Bloomberg Road, for example, they would lose customers. And we are in a situation where we, we now know, uh, you know, just using data, the, the amount of customers we lose every time, every time, Econet one, uh, Net One announced uh, increases in, in, in price. So we're in this weird predicament where we have now shifted from being a very local proud company to being a very shifted towards diaspora company, right? Where we have to now service the diaspora um, who don't care about veg. They want hampers. They want chunks, soya chunks, and so on and so forth, 
right? They don't really want our DNA, whereas our local people really want our DNA. And what happens is they end up driving to food lovers market because the roads, the the, the roads networks are, are reliable. They can get there, even though they're potholes, but they can get there. They don't have to charge to go to food lovers. Whereas we want to compete with food lovers, and because of these prices, we can't. Um, I'm I'm talking like this because. This is my bread and butter. This is my livelihood I'm talking about. And when I see these prices increasing, I'm seeing more young people who I'll have to retrench, more people that I can't employ, more we can't grow, we can't expand. We need to be able to get people to us. And the best way to do this is to make the internet cheaper. Build billion-dollar industries within the shopping space in Zimbabwe because it's the new normal. Let us deliver. Let us be quick. Let us be better. And we'll give you guys more tax. I promise. Don't milk the public anymore. Give the Let us bear the burden of selling more stuff so that we give you guys more tax. That's what we want the government to understand. Give us the roads. We will sell the stuff. We'll give you better services. And, and, and that's what we want. Now, these 10% of stuff are killing us, boys. And I and I'm, thank you for letting me contribute. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Uda. Yeah, looking at it like roads is, is, is pretty crazy. Is trying, to imagine, trying to imagine internet as a, as a pathway to goods and services. Uh, it puts on a different complexion, at least in my mind. Uh, to what this does uh, to, to local entrepreneurs who are trying to make it on the internet. Uh, let's go to Josh, who had his request just before yes. uh, Gudas. What's going on, guys? Yeah, I've been listening to the conversation, and uh, I have less to say. I mean, I don't have much to say. Anyways, I was going to say, uh, looking at this 10% increase, right, uh, I honestly think that uh, it's politically related, because what, what I'm what I think they're doing is they're just trying to discourage people or to minimize people who have access to the internet. Because as we can see, we're towards election and then people are going to use internet as much as possible to communicate their, uh, their message and to be heard out there, right? But if they start uh, minimizing people on internet or people who have access to internet or cheaper internet, that will definitely, uh, I mean, create a a shortage of supporters in within other political parties, right? Apart from that, we, I do think also, I mean, this is just my, my, my personal opinion. It's nothing to do with what's happening. I'm just saying, those people who are on top there, they don't see internet as, a, as, as, as if it adds value to our day-to-day -day lives. Because them, if you were to ask them, first thing that they say is internet. what's so special about internet. So they care less about internet. They don't really understand Internet is the new norm, like what could I say, right? Like with internet, you have everything within your hands. Like you have a dictionary in your phone. You have a, a map in your hands, right? You don't need to go to the library to go get a book, to go do whatever. You have it. They don't understand that. They feel that internet is a threat to them because without internet, they can control information. You know what I mean? Right? They can control what people need to know. But with internet, they can't. They can say something else. A person can quickly Google it and see that they are lying. And then they don't want that. So in my own words, they care less about internet and they care less about citizens knowing, having internet because it does not change anything for them. Instead, it intimidates them that people can easily know that I'm lying. People can easily, they can easily go back to what I said last year and, uh, and see that I lied and I'm not doing it. So to them, they find it as a, as a threat. That's all I wanted to say. So we can fight about internet saying that it wants to go down them they are benefiting from it being expensive. So for them to actually understand and say, we should subsidize the internet, it's not a lot of question for them. I can tell you that they won't do that. They would rather make it more expensive 
right? You know what I mean? So that they will mm. benefit from it. Just my thought. Thanks, Josh. Um, so funny enough, um, Leonard and I this afternoon, Edwin, were talking about this, that um, TV and radio have been the traditional strongholds that are really difficult to access in terms of if you're a new player. Um, you have to go through licensing and all this kind of stuff. The internet kind of just broke that apart. Anyone with the, with the, with the soapbox can stand up and speak and, you know, judging by the quality of what you're saying and, and uh, your ideology or whatever, you will garner an audience. So I kind of sympathize what you're saying. Um, judging you're looking at the traditional industries like radio and television and the red tape that still exists there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Abigail? Hello, Abigail. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All right, thank you. Um, in South Africa, as you know, and, um, you know, with the issue as ATP, and I'm just doing my, my researches on, on resistance. And one of them, in the, the internet, in a way. All right. So I, can, I just made a few researches on the internet. So I and didn't run any so like what you guys have been saying so far. And my department, let's say department of ICT, really regulator, those things. And and can uh, I regulate at Kwanisi mobilize lobby, things like that. Um we just take it. fight system in a way. I think that that, that, that would be my first question. And the moon, I think as the internet maning is I know with pan internet no cherwa. internet ino turikwa kadenga or something like that ni internet yema sim card ni internet dzakadi dzakasiyana saka tukuti ese ma internet yao ese anodhura hapana differentiation inokwanisa kuitiwa here ipapo and like what the other guy was saying kuti avaoni vari pamusoro but we've got minister we i think we have we small business Name Minister Way, Cocassianus, I have a quantity of Garapas, or a Kuratizan, Vacho was single one Kosha, Kogata Internet, because Yakati Koshe, Chaizu. Um, and then my last one, um, would be what did I want to say? Um, maybe in a way of educating even Nevan one Internet was Sukuza, Okosha, Kuisha, and Disa, to either Kulobi, Yavanava, could Iowa. But today, or maybe even lobby to say, maybe not only could Zikisa, can I put special for a certain time? Can I miss Anna? I'm sure not my benefits. I know the one that Pacat, Nepacat, Nepacat, Tweza could have that presentation. Kuavari could be Makos in your Arbutra Pacat, but in Mukatipa, Anitishi, Levi can have break or whatever the case for the next six months or one year or whatever. Tweza could have no sense into them in a way you much understand. So those that that could be my contribution for now. Thank, Thank you. you, Abigail. Uh, the first question I think is easy, so I'll take it. Uh, the guys that regulate is the Postal and Telecommunications Authority of Zimbabwe, Portres. Uh, they're chiefly responsible for you know the telecoms industry as a whole. When the ministers are UICT, but 
I would not say anything. Um, uh, well, I, I've not seen anything that gave me the impression that uh, Potras is not the one that's probably doing most of the major strategic moves. And I say that as my opinion. Um, uh, on when it comes to when it comes to lobbying or living against them. Um, now, in the short time that I've been looking at telecoms, and I think I'll, I'll defer to Tinashe when 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 my the limit when my when the limitation of my knowledge comes to to a point, um, is that uh, Portras does host these things where they say we're trying to make this change. We we release a paper and we we're inviting you guys to comment. So it happens often that they release these uh, regulations that they're going to want to make changes on. Uh, and I've been in these events where people are talking and, and um, lobbying uh, their, 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 their thoughts against it or saying, no, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Um, and it's, it's my opinion that the process probably is more of a parade than anything else uh, because most times it usually just comes out as, as was written on, on, the, on the initial document. I don't know if this is by design or maybe they want they would do that in incremental amendments later down the road. But that's unfortunately where my uh, knowledge of, of, of that ends. And I, I, I graciously asked Nashi, because uh, he's been looking at this longer than I have. Um, maybe he can shed light on that. Yeah, you're making me out to be <laughs> this expert. Just telling the people. Dude, leave me be. Um, yeah, so, so, so yeah, they, they are those, uh, position papers that from time to time, Portra says, we want to do this, uh, you know, uh, give us your thoughts. Perhaps maybe to make it more transparent, what they, they would need to do next time is to then publish what the different voices say to just give us the whole data. Because maybe we are complaining, uh, yet maybe we don't contribute to those discussions. Um, it's quite possible that we don't, eh? Um, sometimes as, as, as Zimbabweans, we, we tend to do that. We, we, we stay on the sidelines, um, and, and, and then complain later. Um, you know, so it, it, it could be that it's, it's, it's happening that way. I, I don't know. But, uh, perhaps what Portras could do is after, um, uh, people have shared what they think and stuff to then, you know, publish that raw data to say this is what this person from this place said, um, of course, protecting people's identity and stuff. Um, but then in terms of lobbying, uh, like what Abigail was saying, that's that's actually an interesting one. Um, um, perhaps one, one of the organizations, the business organizations that I've seen that seems to do lobbying quite effectively um, uh, when all things considered. I think it's the Confederation of Zimbabwe Industries, CZI. Um, so, yeah, and, 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 and um, so you see it even in the recent uh, change of stance uh, by the Ministry of Finance to say, uh, if you are an exporter, we will charge you uh, all your taxes in in foreign currency, even though we are asking you to you know to surrender forty uh, percent of your foreign currency earnings at the auction rate. Um, 
which was uh, really not fair because uh, what then do I do with that local currency? Because it's 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 getting less and less usage. Um, MCZI has been speaking about this for some time, and I suspect that uh, the change could have come from them. It's not really uh, to the extent that uh, we would have expected, but oh, it's a change, you know. Uh, so I think they do that effectively. And part of the reason they do it effectively is maybe because the government, well, not maybe. Yeah, I, it is an observation that I've made that the government, when they think of industry, they think of these big players. So, so even when you hear the RBZ governor say, yeah, yeah, we're meeting with captains of industry. What is captain of industry? You know, this country is above 60% informal. So the people who are actually driving the economy are not in the room. You, you get what I'm saying? We still have this colonial uh, mindset of thinking these are the companies when, when, when things have, sh- have shifted. Um, so I, I don't think the government listens to one smaller businesses as much as the bigger ones. Uh, when they think of industry, they think of these heavy uh, industry types that are, you know, shrinking in number and, 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 and impact on the economy over time because of just that lack of investment in that sector. Um, but as they shrink, their voice is also not going, is not being replaced by, you know, the real businesses that are actually impacting. So, you know, uh, I, I, I could be employing 30 people. And then the next guy is employing 15 and, 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 and it goes on like that. On aggregate, we are providing most of the employment in this country, uh, you know. And that's just small businesses that is actually formalized. But then there is even more uh, business. That is not so small, by the way. Uh, sometimes it's not, not so small. They're, they're moderately large. That are informal. And they are forced to be informal because they are trying to run away from these crazy policies. Uh, so they would rather operate in the shadows. Um, but it doesn't mean that they are not contributing to the economy. It's important to bring them to the table and to ask, you know, and, and, and to have that conversation. So as much, as much as I say that, that it's important to bring them to, be, to the table, it's also important that they go to the table, they approach the table. Like what Sheryl Sandberg says, if they don't have a chair for you at the table, bring your own chair, uh, you know. So maybe as, 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 as smaller businesses ourselves, we need to organize ourselves like CZI and start to demonstrate how much sway we have in the economy to even have data because data is also missing in terms of, okay, how much uh, is going through small businesses, how much is uh, in the informal sector, or you can get uh, estimates. And estimates by foreign bodies, actually, like your, your World Banks and IMFs, which you would think... Uh, uh, you know, are off, uh, to be honest, because the Zim situation is, uh, dumbfounding to, 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 to anyone who's outside of it. Um, so I guess we as small business operators, we, we need to, to organize ourselves better, uh, so that we can, we have a leg to stand on to say, you know what? We have been pushing, we have been saying this, but they are not listening to us instead of maybe uh, coming out to a corner called Twitter spaces and renting. 
<laughs> Sorry, Sorry <laughs> that's, 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 that's a good point though. Because like if it's for example fresh in a box, uh in Texas, let's just say as an example, that's an internet company and a company that deals in e-commerce. The knowledge sharing in that exchange alone is enough to remove some of the the, the cloud or the mist that that both industries think they or both companies think they see in the other. So if, if more yeah. come together, it then becomes so easy for us to then see, oh no, but by the way, you control that that percent of the market share, or money is moving more in this direction or in that direction. And then when we have, you know, oh let's just say when when those small businesses have um a, a, a good grasp of their sway, they could possibly become an effective bottleneck and do what the CZI is doing and what MISA is is, is trying for for years to do and the Zimbabwean um, Human Rights Lawyers Association has been trying to do for a long time. It's forcing them into positions where they have to maneuver, quote unquote, within the length and breadth of the law. Yeah, so so yeah, I I, I remember I think three years ago or so I was speaking to Vusi from uh, uh, WebDev, which 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 incorporates PayNow, and we're just saying, you know what? It's very difficult to quantify, you know, the GDP of 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 the internet in Zim at the moment. Because a lot of uh, um, the businesses are siloed and, and stuff, and, and it's, it's it's super tricky. So I guess maybe the first thing is if we can trust each other to share data, um, so that we can prevent present and say, you know what, this is what we are able to do right now, even with all these restrictions. This is what we are getting. Um, but I, I guess if we do that, the the the, the instinct, <laughs> the government instinct, is to tax us <laughs> instead of. <laughs> yeah, but I, because I mean, the I mean, taxing fair, so well. Sorry. Yeah, I'm saying no taxing. Like I'm saying, in the, in the case where it, it's it's preferable, or if it's necessary, then fair enough. But to the point yeah, where it but, becomes overbearing, but, then yeah. Yeah, but now instead of then hearing like what we'll be saying at that point to say, you know what, this is what we are doing, and we want to do more. Can you help us do more by doing this? We know telcos are actually overstretched right now. Um, so it's very difficult for me to be asking them to shed off extra margin when they're also taking country risk. Eh? Their business, they, it, it needs to make sense to them. Uh, because to be honest, I think we should actually be proud that they're, they're still standing at this point. Because the, the crowd just keeps shifting and shifting and shifting for them. Um, but now, what I think is, if we do aggregate this data and go to the government and say, you know what, this is what we're doing and we want to do more, they will not hear that we want to do more parts or support us. They'll say, oh, that's how much you're doing? <laughs> yeah. Text. Yeah. Text. yeah, let's get the 5% here and 7% there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Effective. Effective extraction. But I'm thinking I'm thinking to myself, with that presentation on it's not only Zimbabwe that will see. will be able to see. Remember, someone said something about investment internet and stuff and stuff. If we have that data, that work, you know, all right, quantity, 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 quantitative, and present it to them and present it because we are interested and we want to invest in them. But apana apana so far, like what you're saying, kuti trungo jigamchira ten percent to kata, but if we have that kind of voice 
I'm I'm not looking for one here. Good panel, I'm watching that. Okay, why don't we take it up? Can I change in those rubrics? Why are they not? And this is what I'm going to do. And then my point is, I'm going to type up on the rubric. Can I end up with Posa or ever the guy is that one of my ten percent? No matter. Vano zori pote yere kuti Maria ataitora kuvano yese tayari nisa jakat jua baadhi la kutiveropanyik. I'll let Leonard speak because I think you've been trying to cut in. Some of us not already, so Leonard, you have to. You're becoming strong. So, so for, for for the last point from Abigail, uh, uh, yeah, that could work. I mean, there's there, there's something in that, uh, but that's 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 in the long term. But what I was thinking, actually, so when you first spoke uh, with this issue and, and, and looking at what Kuda said, uh, should we not be opening up, you know, uh, something like uh, what that frag- it fragments the internet, but should we not open up this zero rating thing so that, you know, uh, whoever requires uh, the internet for their service, for their business, may be able to shoulder some of the costs for their own customers like other businesses are doing, like taxi maybe, something like that. So that, like what I was saying, just make us pay for this because I don't want the cost to go to to the end consumer because I will lose customers. Uh, so I was thinking, should 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 we uh, should we fight along that route? Uh, because this, yes, we can lobby, we can say all oh, this and this, but in the end, we're saying uh, these telcos, they have very thin margins and so when we're really going to the government, we're saying repeal these taxes. That's really what we're saying because we are not we are not going to convince the telcos, and it's not even fair to say the telcos should reduce the, the, their prices. So really, what we're looking at are the taxes and, and and whatever else the government is the regulators are doing uh, that may impact the final price. Uh, so so rather than that side, because I don't think we'll be winning there. Like uh, like Terry Terry was clarifying when we started, like saying, you know what, uh, Zol Zol just recently moved to be to being regulated by Quatras, and that's why they are now uh, they have to pay the excise duty now. So you, you were saying, you know what, these other guys have been paying this excise duty for years. Uh, that's what Terry was saying. So we know that this has been there for years, and we are not going to win if we try to repeal this. So can we try to? Can could we? Uh, shift tactics. Could we shift the battleground and say, okay, let's 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 try to handle it this way in the meantime until something happens? I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Um, interesting one there. Um, and so you started by saying, ah, but I know it will fragment the internet and stuff. I think some of these principles we don't have the luxury of them you know like net neutrality yeah you know oh internet should be charged to be honest it's not the case it hasn't been the case for years because there's a thing called the whatsapp bundle uh which which bundle so you know what uh is as local internet businesses for years we've just been forced to compete against the whatsapp bundle because in zimbabwe whatsapp is the internet and when we go to whatsapp whatsapp has been changing their pricing model uh, for some time in fact they're so strict over what you can or cannot do on their platform uh so you want to do some comments there you can find yourself banned from from whatsapp and, and things like that um 
even if you are willing to to pay uh recently they upped their costs of accessing their API and API is just a bridge that allows uh you know a certain service to use uh to communicate with another service uh so WhatsApp now has such a bridge, but it's not expensive. Uh, so we have been competing against that as, as local businesses because the internet has not been neutral uh, for so many years. And um, what we as Texas has done is to then say, you know what, uh, telcos, we are willing to pay uh, for the data that is consumed by our customers. Uh, you know, but it's expensive. Not not every a business can do it because depending on what you're doing, uh, you know, the amount of data that needs to be con- con- um, consumed could could be really, really high, you know, per user, such that, you know, you'll be left with a huge bill at the telco that you cannot pay. Um, so so it is, it is expensive, but yeah, I guess it's some of the creativity that we have to think around and to, uh, yeah, I, I think and to to look at some of these principles in perspective, uh, you know, net neutrality, is it really a reality in Africa? Or maybe the way that the internet is going to grow in Africa is by, you know, uh, uh, sellers of service uh, paying for their consumers. Maybe that's how it, it, it plays out in Africa. And we have to be confident to go against the grain uh, when it's what makes sense for us, you know. Sometimes that's what we lack. Um, we... Yeah, but I, 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 I want to raise the point that I think if Nibikani was here to raise the point is, and I know, I know, I'm actually going to roll your eyes at this, but Sasai, who knows his tribe, Masi was, Sasai, sorry, his social media network, uh, you know, super app, his WeChat, um, <clears throat> uh, whatever uh, app. Uh, well, it looks like he's going to move to it permanently if he, if he holds true to what he said. Um, isn't that a gateway? So as far as we talked last time about it, it didn't have an API um, available, um, which I guess is detrimental uh, because that was one of the avenues in which people could start, could services like ours and companies like ours and other companies could also get the WhatsApp-like experience. But with the way that size bundles are so cheap, because I think they haven't changed prices since last year, May, if I'm not mistaken. They're still very, very, very cheap. And that has not enticed people to use it because why would you want to use an app? And I have my own reservations about the app, the app itself. I think it could be a competitor to, to WhatsApp, but the way it's designed is just, and I'm sorry to use this word, but it's appalling. Like, where do you start? Whereas other applications have made it so easy for you. Like you can see with the design language E was meant to get you to engage with something, but it's just, it feels like they just threw everything at the wall and they were like, guys, find a way to make it work. I don't think that's the way to go. And I remember even writing that article way back about bringing it up into other apps. Uh, and you see the comments and you're like, well, are these ignorant employees or Cassava <laughs> technology employees? Uh, well, we're coming to his defense. But from a, from a user perspective, it doesn't really make sense. And it's one of those apps that could have been the bridge. Uh, or even yeah, yeah. from, you know, uh, ignorant. Um, yeah, so so you're right. You were right to say I would roll my eyes. Um, <laughs> but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it, 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 it will work. One, uh, um, Econet is an operator. Sorry to anyone who 
is from Econet. Yeah, I'm trying to be frank. But Econet is an operator. I think over the years they have proven that they are not very good at playing with others. Um, uh, the only opportunity they think every opportunity is for them to do end to end. So, so that's the problem, you know. Like, uh, uh, how can a business uh, trust them? Uh, with their transaction data and, and things like that. You, yeah, if they, they, they see you, you are integrated on their platform and then you fire, they will start competing against you and, and, and stuff and they will muscle to do that. And, and because they own the road, uh, you know, they just make it difficult for you. I, I, if that perception is wrong, then the onus is on them to fix it uh, because definitely that is the perception that we have out there in the market. Um, that's one. But the bigger issue is like what you're saying. Ah, uh, yeah. They did not, they did not create that thing to be used. Um, yeah, like on the internet, like the plane of, 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 of competition is different. Eh? Uh, um, let me use analogy. You know, there's a pick and pay, spa, they use these roads. You know, the, the control was at the supply level where, you know, if you can control distribution, then you win the market. Uh, but the internet distribution is, even though the internet is expensive in Zim, distribution is quite uh, cheap. So you win by having a superior user experience. Uh, because why would someone abandon WhatsApp and go to Sasai, even though there is a cheaper Sasai bundle? I, I, it needs to be more. There's something has to convince me to be there. Uh, and and that is the the challenge there. I, I don't see it. I don't see it being uh, a contender. Um, I think I'll be glad. I'll be glad to be wrong, but. I see it is another question waiting to happen. Uh, yeah. So, so looking at it, so we could end up with a situation where uh, majority has free internet access, uh, but it's being paid for by the vendors of websites themselves or whatever the content is there on the internet in Zimbabwe, rather than uh, something like Sasai where we. We're trying to say, okay, this is the portal. This is where you do everything you need to do because, I mean, the integrated payments, the integrated uh, social network of sorts, and, and there's this chat app. They, they, there's a lot going on there, and they're like, okay, so this will be the internet. They saw this whole thing uh, that in, here in Zimbabwe, in Africa, as a world that, like you were saying, Tinashe, that we don't really uh, have net neutrality and we might it might it might be unwise to seek net neutrality because maybe we we actually need to 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 go in another direction because the uh, the conditions here are different from the ones uh, in those other countries we are trying to emulate so we could we could end up with that situation where you know what for every other website that you need uh, you you just know that it's free as long as long as you have uh, a data capable line in your phone uh, but the person actually paying for it are the individual 
uh, vendors of those websites, and it, it could it could be fun. It it would be a lot of work for the telcos, but I guess it's 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 more income as well. If they if if really their customers are the business customers, who they are charging, you know, to 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 zero rate uh, websites, I think they 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 could. Uh, oh no, it, uh, no, I, I don't know how it would work out really with the numbers. It could be less income, but it's it's interesting to think about. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Thanks, Leo. Uh, I was going to come back at that, but I saw two hands raised, so I'll argue you in private if you, if you don't have time. Uh, we'll start in Jabulo. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Tech and the other guys that have been uh, sharing. This is a very, um, um, I, I think it's a very good subject that you guys have brought up also, because I believe right now we are moving more into into a digital world uh than than uh, from uh, than the analog world where we are coming from um and uh, i just wanted to say we like i had other speakers that were saying we need to lobby i think we really need to do lobby because i'll talk from my own experience when it comes to internet when i arrived in in south africa in 2019 i didn't have money uh and i didn't have uh, a lot of resources but internet was cheap to an extent that I began to to learn how to do web designing on the internet, like you're getting internet for five rand, you're getting internet for 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 five rand a day, and there are other free spots where you can go and have access free internet. Uh, and uh, I I taught myself, and uh, it gave me a good startup to say I had access to free internet. Then I started charging people to come and, and pay for a package that will cost them 10000 for me to create a website for them, for a knowledge that I just got through uh, just five, ten rand a, a day. And it was able to make me to, to establish my business. So we, we really need to push our government to allow, imagine how many young people be able to gain employment uh, through if they access to, to, to free internet in Zimbabwe. You see, there, there will be a lot of employment creation. Right now, I can spend three three weeks without even going out of the house, having my groceries being delivered, having my food being delivered. Uh, if the internet is cheap, I I I, I watch Netflix on, on through the internet because I know I get 100 rand for my Netflix and then I, I pay uh, less than uh, forty dollars, uh, which is four hundred and fifty rands a month. I have unlimited four uh, G Wi-Fi and and unlimited for a month. Uh, but how do we lend the same things in Zimbabwe? You see, uh, and uh, we we really need to look at the government because if right now we are looking at Zimbabwe prices of internet going up. It's not going to be fair on the young people that are not even employed in order for them to empower themselves. Because you're looking at right now, the states in Zim, they tell you more than 60%, we are around 60% of Zimbabweans don't have access to internet in Zimbabwe. You have uh, 40% or less people that have access to internet. So those are very worrying numbers as a nation because we are not, remember, we are moving into 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 the digital world where we, the world becomes one through the internet right now we have drop shipping where young people can sit at home create a, a website 
and then you drop ship for a company in 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 China delivering its product in 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 Russia or delivering its product all over Africa without you having to step out of your house just having access to the internet and it could create a millions of jobs in Zimbabwe just doing drop shipping only in Zimbabwe but if if the internet is is expensive you're limiting the chances of these impoverished impoverished households to 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 be able to to access all these systems that they can start profiteering from or and create employment imagine if you are doing drop shipping you can start off by yourself with your website and then as as orders are growing you start hiring people to help you have a night shift have a day shift 24 hours a day so that you are able to fulfill orders that will be coming through all those are opportunities that i feel young people are missing out especially in zimbabwe and i feel you guys have raised a very very powerful subject and i had someone speak of lobbying if there is a way that someone can put that thing out there then we can support it and say how do we go about it to lobby the government to say we need in actual fact we don't even need them to remove the 10% can we have free internet so that even when schools are closed the the the, the people can access lessons online we we can have portals for for free lessons where teachers are able to go online and they start uh, teaching through online there are a lot of things that we can do through the internet that can allow things to be developed and 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 there is networking and there is growth of the economy imagine if zimbabwe had uber eats imagine if zimbabwe had, uh, had uber taxis and taxi fares here in south africa we have maybe four uh, taxi companies that use apps you, you look at at uh, at uh, right now i don't even go to pick and pay i order my 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 groceries they deliver outside i order my food from uber eats they deliver it's because of the access of internet it's cheaper for me to order online than even physically to go to pick and pay that's how cheap it is if i go to pick and pay i now need taxify that will charge me uh, 30 rand to go there 30 rand to come back but if i order they will charge me 15 rand for the delivery which makes it more reasonable but it needs connectivity so guys thank you so much for for raising this subject and it's a very informative subject I remember one of the things that's there um uh, someone was talking of whatsapp uh, and talking of all these right now south africa is advanced in terms of uh, that my clients are able to pay via whatsapp they are able to pay via facebook they are able to pay online there is a lot of of things that are happening that are, are so fast that when you compare to zimbabwe's internet and the activities that are just happening just right across the border it's totally different i look at making calls in zimbabwe it it uh, i make calls oh, uh, direct call, sorry just in closing i make direct calls to zimbabwe maybe if if i have sorry it's like a group chat here what's up oh yeah, can you mute <laughs> thanks okay. so uh, i make i can make a call to zimbabwe if i'm making a direct call it's going to cost me uh, 18 rand but if i make a call using an app it's going to cost me 30 cents look at 30 cents of rands compared to 18 rands 
So that, that, that's, that's a huge save. And if we could have these systems running efficiently in Zimbabwe, imagine how much employment you, you can create your own app in Zimbabwe and it just employs you. You'll be employed by your own app. You could be making profits uh, through administrating your app, maybe a call app, maybe an, an Uber app, a text app. Uh, there are a lot of apps that you can create that you could be administrating as young people that could generate income without you even having to leave your front door. You just be sitting there. So we, we need to encourage our government, not even the 10%. We need to encourage our government to say, imagine how many companies could be paying taxes in Zimbabwe. Imagine if your app is a turnover of 100,000 a month and there are 100 of you that are making turnovers of 100,000 a month, US dollars, and you are paying 15%, which means the government will be making 15, 15, 15 uh, grand from each times 100. That's 1.5 uh, uh, million or, or 15 million, if I'm not mistaken. So let's look at the possibilities that the internet can bring to our economy. Because I think they are being short-sighted by trying to make the internet expensive. Imagine if you are running a dropshipping company that has minimum orders of 500000 a month and you are saying to yourself, okay, I'm running a dropshipping, I'm paying my tax in Zimbabwe, which is 15%. How much will you be and how much employment will you you will you have created? And those employees, they will be paying tax to the government. But all the operations won't be done in Zimbabwe. They will be done in China and wherever you are delivering to without you having to do anything in Zimbabwe, just facilitating the service. So there's a lot that we could do as, 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 as Zimbabwe that could create. We are talking of 2 million, 3 million or, four, or even 10 million jobs that you could just create through having uh, the zero charge on internet in actual fact you could create more employment imagine machines imagine i can't even mention it when it comes to the economy in terms of 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 the internet how much the internet is playing a role we're in lockdown here in south africa the only thing i could do is sit down get my goods delivered to my client without leaving the house get everything sorted get everything done I never left the house, but I was still making money. It was locked down. People receiving their goods. Imagine if the same thing was happening in Zimbabwe. People receiving goods. They are lo- you won't feel it alleviates poverty. It deals with a lot of things. You see, th- thank you. Sorry, Mr. Tech, for taking so much time. Uh, no thank you, guys, and every speaker that have been coming through and sharing. This is a very, very important subject. Thank you. Thank you, Jawola. Yeah, definitely. Uh, internet is a world of possibilities and, you know, uh, it, it opens up, especially the youth who can, well, uh, let me use this term very friendly because we have elder statements on, among us, but people, uh, young people are, are very imaginative when it comes to internet technology and the things they could possibly do with it are things we couldn't fathom. And I think we are, we are retarding that process by this barrier of internet being this very expensive and exclusive thing. Uh, so I might add his hand up for a while now. Uh, you can come through. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, I just want to give my two cents on this 10% internet tax. I think it's a trend that we've been noticing from our governments to say that, um, you know, they're putting up policies that are against what the future generation needs. First off, it was the taxation of cell phones. Now we have a 10% internet tax. And all that does is it makes the cost of accessing the internet much more expensive. 
which is not, you know, it, it adds to the burden where we find Zimbabwe, there's already a monopoly in the telecoms uh, industry. And more, more, more and more of those costs are just going to be trans, uh, translated to the end user, which is you and I. And that problem alone, you know, needs ratification. Not only does this affect this generation, like the previous speaker has spoken, he said that um, we learn through what we see and what we hear. He taught himself web designing, and now he's making a living out of it. Imagine if we had access to, you know, cheaper internet. What that does is it breeds the next generation of entrepreneurs, innovators, and whatnot. What we want is to move towards a global economy just like the rest of the world. But if the government keeps on passing uh, policies like these, it makes it really, really difficult. Not only that, if you even portrait itself, um, there's already a monopoly when it comes to, you know, the, 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 the telecoms industry, right? Even entrance into that market is really difficult. If you go on the Porter's website today, they will tell you that you need $100 million for a license. That's way too much money for a sound cost. You understand? So what we need uh, from, like, just like, that's the same thing as the previous speakers have been saying. We are doing a huge disservice to this generation, to the future generation, and even the continent of Africa, if you want to take conversation to that level. For example, he was talking about dropshipping, right? I can be making Manyatera in Bindura, but the people in Bindura, the market for Manyatera is very small. If I can export that to Ghana, there might be a market for that, you see? And the same thing that Kuda has been saying, lower the prices for, 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 for do away with the, the taxation of the internet. Let us um, businesses take care of that tax burden. Imagine if we create let's say $2 million just from internet, internet business, the government is going to get its share from that, right? But in the long run, what is the benefit if we're taxing, if we're taxing uh, the internet, we're losing more people who are using it, we're losing innovation, we're losing entrepreneurship, right? Given that we reduce all this taxation and, and some of these policies that derail, that derail progress, we inject motivation, we inject innovation, we inject entrepreneurship, which is going to bring in even more money in the long run than the money that they're getting on the taxes. So I think for me, like the previous speakers have been saying, let's put these policymakers to task to say, okay, these are the possible outcomes that we can get. If the game is to play it in the long run and benefit the population of Zimbabwe, let's put policies in place, policies that help, policies that develop. That's that's my two cents. Yeah, thank you. That's actually really poignant that, you know, we should be developing an ecosystem for for entrepreneurs because the one thing I fear is that we are going to keep as entrepreneurs and uh, young people thinking we have to hack around the system. We always have to hack, hack around the system or find workarounds and this and that to work around the system when, in fact, it should be giving us, you know, avenues to do it using Kuda's analogy of roads. That if they conceptualize the internet as, as a road, I, I, that would change perception of what it actually is. It's an avenue to a number of, of, of different things. Uh, one more speaker before we wrap up, Citizen Emmanuel. Hello, Emmanuel. Hello. 
uh, give him time when he's coming up. Sometimes there is that blank or silent moment. Okay, so I was saying it was it, it's more of if they if they look at internet the way what I was saying is roads. I probably think it will change their perception of what it could do and the things that the internet has, has given to other worlds. So the one thing I saw in my travels um, when I was when I was in Europe is that you like African students were so inventive because of the internet. So someone I knew could not pay rent, right? Because you know every the cost of living there is expensive. And they decided to partner with a local to create a, a, an agency for university students in Africa to come and learn in their country. And that couldn't have worked without the internet and without the, the without with the beautiful payments, networks, and systems that exist out there. So from going to living month to month on rent, it became self-sufficient. Simply because this thing called the internet, which where I was, was the equivalent of $15 a month for cap. So just having that virtue of just saying it's that cheap to to start ideas they they launched a business of which he's still running today lots of students who are at my old university are there simply because of his service and he can now instead of being a burden quote unquote to his parents he's now supplying money back because of this little invention called the internet so i like what jabula was saying there are so many opportunities that exist once this gateway opens yeah so thinking about about the roads analogy is is, is quite interesting in that um it just occurred to me that you know what um for example the, there's been works on the um harare blau sorry harare bike bridge road um and and uh you know as 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 the road gets uh, completed it gets more and more beautiful you know to to drive along the um uh, over time and it's a, it's a really good investment so i think maybe the problem that we have is that um the people who are leading policy in our country, they can visualize these physical things. The internet, they just cannot understand. Because with a road, the, the interesting thing is they are paying to get the road built. You know, uh, they are paying the contractors and stuff. But then with telcos, the telcos were laying fiber, dude, with their own money. Uh, Yet, you know what, if we are considering the internet to be a public good, it should have been the government. And I think there is some, uh, well, what portraits, I am seeing a portraits account here, uh, they are clear to speak. Um, there's been some investment through, uh, to one and, and, and stuff, bringing in, you know, uh, fiber capacity and stuff. Uh, but then the government should also be in incentivizing all these private players that are investing their own money to give to to bring connectivity uh because uh it was their responsibility to start with because it's a public good so it's like someone sees there's a need for roads and they build a road network and they are punished for it you know when it was actually the government that was supposed to be paying them to do that kind of work. Uh, but they said, oh, okay, uh, the government won't do, let me do and commercialize this. So in a physical sense, our government can see these things uh, for, for these uh, services. But for internet, for some reason, it's just a cash cow. Uh, and they're texting at the wrong end. You know, you actually want to text at the end where you have the maximum value addition. Uh, 
that's when a parcel is delivered and all this has happened. Someone is getting a salary and, and, and all that. Then you collect on that. You collect more than to collect at the, the, the beginning of the horse. Um, and, and then it stops everyone else from innovating on, on top of that. Yeah, and the problem with that is that it just compounds the cost. Because like we were saying, this exercise duty, this 10%, they factor that into the price. Then they have to mm-hmm. factor in their corporate tax. They have to factor in all these other costs. They uh, the 2% IMTT. They have to factor in all these costs. So there's a compounding effect when we, we start uh, levying taxes straight from, from, from the primary producer to, through the whole chain to the final consumer. So we just compound everything. But looking at the government, so can we say, See, they, they know this, but for them, it's a, it's a case of we are not raising enough revenue. We have to get the revenue somewhere. So they understand that this would this might set us, this might set Zimbabwe back a, a few years. But is it a case of, you know what, we're, we're looking at bread and butter issues right now. Uh, that's a future us problem. For now, we need the revenue because we're, they're trying to keep the forex auction afloat, costing them millions to subsidize uh, that whole thing, then of course exports have risen, but there's still not enough to to cover everything that we need. There's still that shortage and in, in, in all that. So, is is it that? I think it could be that they they understand these things like we were but, uh, discussing we, earlier. So, sorry, are you not seeing that the government is being short sighted? Okay, yes, let me exactly. The, That's my point. I'm saying yeah. you, you know what it's, it's it's the same as like when you uh, when you're in a house as, as a father maybe as a head of a house. Sometimes when when someone like sacrifices uh, the future for today just so people can eat today and they're like you know what I'll figure out something tomorrow. I'm not saying I agree with this mindset. I'm saying looking at what they're working with, I I I can see where they're coming from, and I think it's short-sighted. But if if they were to sit you down here and they were like, okay, so what would you have us do? It's one of those things that we, if we're going to engage them, we really have to look at these budgets. We really need to engage with everything that they present so that we, we can have solutions that we can say, okay, this, we can, how can, can we not do this? Our problem is, of course, they, they just present. They don't, uh, they don't want our input anyway. Yes, you might be invited to participate, but the, the document is finalized even before you participate. But maybe if we engage with these documents, if we engage with this process, I think we can have the, a better chance of influencing the decisions that are made because we will be able to solve some of the challenges that they do have. They might not be important to us, you know, looking to the future and, and, and all that, and they might not see it the way we see it. So when we engage with them and we sit with them, you're like, okay, so you, you, you're prioritizing this and this and this. And this. How, how can we not do this, 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 while we're sitting down with them rather than just saying, you guys are wrong and we don't engage with them as well. So that's, that's, yeah. that's my two Leo, cents. Leo, remember this afternoon when we were talking about translating something in what, in what I like to call innovation years. To be like, if you could give them a graph of a year and technology that has been or innovations or services that have been introduced in a year at the end of the year and show them what has become obsolete. Relatively new technologies have become obsolete. That is how fast innovation is moving. So like what you're saying, the sacrificing today, uh, sacrifice, just eating today and, and not looking at tomorrow. 
by the time they realize this, and we're already far behind in terms of innovation years, by the time they realize this, we are hundreds of years behind innovation because people are still crying for you know payment systems that actually work or that are at the very least easy to navigate or as easy as what, what they get out, uh, outside or elsewhere. And it's not, we're still crying about that in 2022. In other countries, systems like that are now defunct. They're actually moving forward, further forward to other systems. So my fear is that I think translating it, uh, making them, as, as what I said, to be like, making them conceptualize what the internet is in terms of our road of a physical structure. And I remember back in the day, they used to call it the information highway. I don't know why they don't keep that in, 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 the, in the current lexicon, but making them understand that and then showing them just how far behind we are, not in terms of years behind, but innovation years. How models that are being run in Zimbabwe as cutting edge are so far behind what's going on in the rest of the world that the hope of us catching up means starting uh, or making action now. If that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, so 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 my point was just to say, you know, if we're going to sit with them, we have to say, you know what, we know we are you're worried about importing uh uh millimil and fuel and all these other raw materials and whatever. So that's why you're 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 overlooking this. Because if mm. we don't address those things that they are looking at, they they think these are the most important things that we to look at because we really need the fuel itself uh, for the economy to run. And some of these things, they are, they are essentials as well. But to strike that balance then, that analogy could work for them. And like you're saying, we, we, maybe uh, as Twitter, we need to bring it back just so that they can get this whole uh, highway thing in their minds that, you know what, we're building a highway where Sorry, trade wait. happens. Sorry, wait. you know, Tech, are you aware that in the world people have started talking about countries like China have started talking about 6G. And when we talk of 6G, we're talking of self-driven cars, self-driven airplanes, self-driven drones and stuff like that. Um, And a a doctor can perform a surgery while he's sitting in Zimbabwe and they are performing a surgery in UK. That six, that six G that we're talking about, the ability to move in, 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 with the, with a blink of an eye, you would have moved more than they, they say that per second, six G, we're looking at, at 11 gigs per second. Imagine how much data will be moved. And we're still trying to lobby our government to, to, to get access. We're still Elon years far from 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 technology. Like what you're saying, that when you look at the calendar of 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 technology, right now go on YouTube and watch how much technology is being posted on a daily basis. You're talking of smartphones folding smartphones. While they are still looking at that, they are telling you, no, we have see-through smartphones that are being. Deep. While they are still watching that, they are telling you, no. There is this a battery that can last 50 days. Why do you still watch? There is just a lot of things. But uh, we need to lobby our government. I'll, I, I'll tell you a simple mathematics that, that works. You see with South Africa, they come here, they tell you you qualify to get a phone. They tell everyone you qualify to get a phone. Uh, on, they tell you every month you'll be paying 70 rand. And on that 70 rand, the government maybe is taking it takes of, of 15% from the 70 rand that you are paying for a new for a new uh, maybe a galaxy phone and stuff like that 
So if they are going to be taxing and the government can say, okay, everyone in Zimbabwe are going to tax 2%, uh, anyone who gets on internet. Imagine if the government can create an uh, environment that allows people that everyone in Zimbabwe has a smartphone and has access to data. 15 million people carrying smartphones, they have access to data. And guess what they do? They say, then we are going to tax that 15 million. Then right now you are trying to tax the 40% that can have access to data. The rest of 60%, what about them? They are not going to get it because they don't even have anywhere to start. So it's, it's, a, it's an economic challenge. And imagine, instead of you looking at 40%, you'll be looking at the 100% people having smartphones, schools uh, having smartphones, everyone having access to internet, and you'll then start charging them to say, give me 2% of what you use. Give me 2%. Instead of what you are chasing, the little you are chasing, you'll be now be chasing a huge sum amount of money in terms of revenue. Imagine companies being started in rural areas. I'll tell you something. I learned, I learned uh, essential Imagine people in Toronto or in Zaraban, if they can learn that they do eucalyptus oil and they start manufacturing those things. Why can't they have access and learn how to be innovative with their environment? Imagine how many trees your moringa is being sold very expensive. That moringa oil is very expensive. Per 10 million, you're buying it at 90 rands. Imagine how much people be making back home if they knew how to extract the moringa oil from just the moringa tree. They have those trees plenty in Zimbabwe. They have uh, the, the, the gum trees. They have a lot of trees that people sell, extract oil from. If they could learn that, imagine. Yeah. Yeah, so Jabulo, so we agree with that, sir, that uh, there's short-sightedness in not seeing that, uh, in not seeing the benefits of having everyone on the internet. And so so the, the, really the discussion will just be on, okay, so how do we get on the same page with them? Uh, so so having said that, uh, Citizen Emmanuel has had his hand up for a while. Uh, your Citizen Emmanuel, uh, speak up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, take Zim, the host and uh, other speakers for what you have done. And I would like to thank listeners as well. What, I, what just attracted me to this space is, is, is like this. It's 10% it's, it's in, internet tax. Now I'm asking myself, how do the tax, tax amendment bill is done? That's my first question. If, if it is not done, including the people who are bearing the tax burden, the, the tax burden by the end of the day, then it doesn't make sense in the sense that, look, you, you, you have got an ambitious growth of 5.5. Now you are taxing customers, customers both, uh, let, let me say, both corporate taxpayers and, and individual taxpayers who are overtaxed. Now we are looking at the overtaxing of, 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 of uh, taxpayers. Now we are looking to say, you want to grow your economy by 5.5, whilst these same people or same some taxpayers do not have disposable income. What, 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 what are you trying to do? Because what I look at now is to say, we don't have the significant FDI that comes from the outside world. So the best way is to allow those people who are innovative enough to be able to invest 
who are the local people. If the local people can sustain demand, what is going to happen to the supply? The supply has to follow because there's, there's enough demand already. So I'm looking to say uh, this kind of, uh, of policy, which is contraction of fiscal policy, is totally wrong because we are looking to say we want to grow our economy by 5.5. If 5.5 is the growth rate which we have set in our budget, what, what, what's next in terms of policymaking? The policymaking has to be a, a, a relaxed a bit, right? It has to be expansionary fiscal policy whereby the taxes have to be reduced because once you reduce tax, people are willing to pay because it's cheaper for them. But once you, you, you restrict by, by charging more taxes, no one is willing to pay. And what normally happens is that you are going to have tax evasion and tax avoidance, which will be or which will make, uh, which will bring in dwindling tax revenue. And by the end of the day, your, your, your revenue is not enough for you to provide services. So I would like or I would urge you to try to lobby, one, two, uh, you don't lobby without anything that substantiates this. You must prepare cash flow projections to say, look, guys, uh, we have got these um, cash flow projections, which shows that if you tax 40% of the, of, of the taxpayers, what are you trying to do? You are trying to restrict the economy to grow. You are stifling the economy, actually. So we need a situation whereby the taxes have to be relaxed in a sense that they must be what we call domestic demand and domestic industrialization. That's what I want you to do, guys. I know maybe you have got the, the, that, that, that platform and the, the capacity to do that. Because, look, we know the, the, the characteristics or the features of, 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 of text. One, it's administrative simplicity. It must be easier to administer. Two, it must create equity. Three, it must be neutral of which the burden must not uh, be more to the taxpayer. Because once the taxpayer feel that he, he is stifled, the next thing, he has to evade or to avoid it. So I would just end here and say thank you, guys. Uh, look at it and see if you can be able to turn it around. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emmanuel. Uh, definitely something we'll look into. Uh, so the last speaker is Admire. Uh, before we wrap up. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for giving me this opportunity to speak. Uh, I'm just joining in, and um, uh, the topic is uh, seems exciting. Um, what I noticed with our economy, despite having uh, or despite being endowed with such uh, uh, enormous natural resources, Zimbabwe has turned into a tax-based economy. And um, once you find a country becoming a tax-based economy. Um, it stifles, you know, growth. It affects uh, domestic uh, spending. It, it affects, uh, you know, and it also chokes even the, 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 the companies that are, um, you know, uh, growing. So, all this is 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 caused by uh the government not being um sincere and honest in 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 deals that it's it's doing with um um uh for example countries that are coming to invest in in zimbabwe 
we are never told how um, the government uh, has gone into a business arrangement with the Russians. We're never told how they've gone into business arrangements with, you know, Chinese and so forth. And um, it, 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 it means that um, the tax revenue that we are probably supposed to get from those investments uh, are, are probably going to be, you know, um, siphoned or corruptly uh, taken out of the uh, natural revenue system. So it, it, it's, it's a wearisome thing that uh, Zimbabwe, despite uh, what we have uh, in terms of resources, we have become a, a tax-based economy. And uh, I think they, they, they should be a serious policy shift and, you know, uh, a serious level of transparency that uh, the Minister of Finance and the entire administration uh, uh, should do for us to move away from this, uh, uh, you know, tax-based economy and, you know, grow this, this economy to levels where it's supposed to be. So, yeah, that's, that's the little I wanted to contribute. Thank you very much, Admire. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah, you're going to run out of people to tax at some point. Uh, yeah. So you, you, you might as well create a conducive environment for, for people to, to start businesses. Again, I'll be going on about startup acts and whatnot, but you can read all about that on TechZoom. Uh, yeah. So before you all go, please, can you guys, you know, just check the pinned tweet, uh, download the TechZoom market app, which is, as Leonard was saying, zero-rated. Uh, so basically, you can buy, for example, NetOne bundles or airtime with money or cash without needing any data. So it's on our pin tweet. Uh, just go check it out. Um, support us through this. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, hopefully, there's the I can get the recording off Twitter because Twitter is very iffy about getting uh, space recordings. For those who weren't, weren't able to join, can also listen. So thank you to Leo. Thank you to Engineer Chabuka and Snashe for, 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 for being panelists. Gracias, señor. No problem. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Bye.